If you go on all the Michelin Star Trip advisors, Free Star, the best restaurants in the world, voted best restaurant in the world, the top 10, every single one of them will have that, that guest going, was it what? Was it all that? <laughs> what were people going on about? I had to go for a kebab afterwards. <laughs> you know, when people say, oh, I went to this place and I had this absolute, it was a Michelin Star place and I had this amazing, and you sit there and look, look at them and, go, and, and they're looking, can you recreate it? And you're like, absolutely not. Because I haven't tasted it. That's what I mean by this job being so important. Because we critiqued every single meal we send is judged. And then it's judged to the price. So if they have a great meal, well, it's still expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay. Work that one out. I don't know. My guest today is Steve Walker, one of the chefs that introduced me to the fine dining world about eight, nine years ago when we both were together at the Sirocco restaurant here in Jersey. Mr. Walker, yes, thank sir. you for uh, accepting my invitation, especially knowing that, you know, Saturdays are busy times for, for a chef. And I really appreciate that, especially for, for this reason. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to waste too much time. We're going to go straight into it. I mean, we know each other for quite a while and we can have all sorts of conversations. I just want to know how you started working in the kitchen. How was the beginning of your career? Do you remember what kind of like sucked you in this life? It's, it's a very simple story, unfortunately, but it's also a very emotional story because I was never the most intelligent toothbrush in the, in the, in the, in the bathroom. So school was always an outlet of fun, um, playing around, having, having a good time. Basically I was more physical, more practical than what I was, um, you know, academic. So basically it came, it came to a point coming from Portsmouth where I had to make a choice of whether I was going to join the army, the Navy or any of the special sort of forces that were out there because it was an easy door into life. I mean, there was not a lot else you could sort of do back in the, you know, 80s. So my mum basically said to me, she said, oh, Steve, why don't you try cooking? And I was like, well, I don't really understand what, why you'd say that. And they said, well, cooking, it could be a good bit of discipline, you know, gets you out and about, travel the world. So I, I cooked a meal for my family on a whim which was a, a spaghetti bolognese that was so heavily salted and my family ate every bit of it under duress from my mum scorning at them and me thinking that they loved it. But it was absolute dog shit for want of a better word. <laughs> and uh, it resonates with me because because of their support and encouragement, I then went to catering college. And from catering college, again, I was still mm, the boundaries of school and it still didn't quite take me until I met a, a lecturer called Colin O'Dowell. And that that was probably life-changing for me because he, a, he was a Southampton supporter, which was, you know, unheard of in Portsmouth at that time. They were like, um, you know, Santa Claus. It didn't exist. And, um, and, and he just said, listen, you've got something, you know, chase it. And he'd go, we'll try and get you in the right step from college and, and just chase it because your grades still aren't great. You passed but they're still not great, but all your practical was great, but all your theory was just barely there. So it just goes to show that with the right encouragement and the people that can actually encourage you to do the right thing. And um, it turned into a very positive experience for me. Nice, nice story. I mean, you probably say that it's kind of boring, but, and, you know, I think, you know, it's a, it's a nice journey that you had, you know, right from the beginning, from when you when you kind of decided to get into it, not being that skilled and then getting to the level that you are today. 
yeah you know it shows that with hard work you can you can get in in situations where you cannot probably even imagine uh, i mean it, it kind of got to boil down to that isn't that life really i mean even if you are gifted you look at footballers the gifted ones naturally gifted they still have to work they 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 have a foothold in but they still have to work hard at it you know the Messies of the world, the Beckhams of the world, you know, in any sport that is, um, you know, you've got natural ability for, you can be as good as anyone like that if you have the drive and the, and the people behind you. I mean, I'm not talking just family. I'm talking the right blend along the way that can inspire you and give you that motivation and kick your backside every now and again, you know, because it is a, a road doesn't just go straight. It goes all over the mm. place. So, you know, you do need people with the way life, I mean, life now, for sure. I wouldn't want to be doing it now, to be honest. But when I was there, it was just probably alcohol and a little bit of drugs that was a little bit of a, of a distraction in hotels and restaurants at my time. But if you're if you're focused and you enjoy it and the people around you aren't into that, then you, you keep straight enough. So I've got a lot of people to thank, you know, along the way, you know, and, and that makes the person that you are today. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I have to thank you for for <laughs> my my career, which was kind of short, but still, I remember to this day, you know, the way I kind of got uh, a job uh, at the Royal Yacht when you were a head chef. Yeah. I was coming for dinner, I was really impressed by the presentation, the food, and I was like, you know, I want to progress because working at the Port Latin wasn't really something any high end there. So I wanted to progress in my career. And for people that don't know, it was kind of a, well, for, at least I kind of find it find it funny and it's probably not a, not something that I totally recommend doing you know going to a place like the dinner and then just talk to the head chef is like Steve I want to work here it's, yeah. it's it's not bad but it's just kind of probably a weird approach you know I'm not sure probably I'm sure you probably didn't really get anyone till that point uh coming to eat and then just ask for the head chef if you can have a, a word with with the head chef and then you know I really appreciate that you said yes I started doing a few like trials and then after that I, we took it from there. So yeah, I'm Great. sure probably my life wouldn't be what it is today. I probably would have continued cooking in a different way and so on, but I I have a high respect for you Thank from you. this point of view. Yeah. I honestly do. Okay, uh, talking about mentors and people that influence your career, who would you say influence your career the most to get you in the situation that you are today? Do you have some someone in mind? Or it was like too big of a combination to remember? Well, you've got to look at it. Even, even negative influence can be a positive outcome. So you could say working for Kevin Magnolia on the Isle of Wight, he was, he was an absolute... Um, but, <laughs> Trying to find a nice word for it. Trying to find a word that is inspiring without being too derogatory. But he knew exactly what he wanted and he wouldn't accept anything else. So anything outside of his realm was not tolerated. And the way he dealt with that was quite aggressive and abrupt. So from that perspective, I'd say he was very... Because working on the Isle of Wight in, with a small brigade, but with a heavy outlet, it was a one-star, four-rosette restaurant on one side and a brasserie on the other side, which had three rosettes. And... Um, it was hedonistic. I mean, it was getting at six in the morning, do your pasta, hang your pasta to dry, ready for lunch service, get everything, all your chutneys made, everything that you needed to do. And on one day a week, you had to do breakfast as well. So you did a breakfast, you did a section, you had a day off. So he taught me about the value of time. So I thank him for that because now time is precious and any field of life, even life itself is precious. So time shouldn't be wasted. And that was 
the lesson I learned from him. But he worked for a guy called Karl Heinz Nagler. And he was my executive chef at the Haven Hotel in Bournemouth. And he was one of these chefs where he didn't have boundaries to his cooking. He had recipes, but recipes that could be adapted Mm. to your kind of taste, but they still had the core recipe. So the freedom that he created women in realms of his madness gave me freedom as well as discipline, as well as education on how to, it was almost like having the key to the door. You had a recipe, but something wasn't quite there that you had to find. And everybody found their own way through it. So he gave me that that um, freedom to enjoy cooking. Kevin gave me the the opposite, but in, taught me the value of time. And also, you see things in the world where you think, do I want to be that chef that screams and shouts? I mean, when I walk through the door, do I want to be called chef or do I want to be called Steve? I want to be called Steve. See, that's something that I always appreciate. It was probably one of, like, these and the part that I, when I worked in Romania... You and the head chef that I worked with in Romania at the time, without a shadow of a doubt, with the best experiences in the kitchen. Uh, I'm talking about how relaxed you would come to work, knowing that someone is not going to scream all the time, knowing that we can have a joke if 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 it's if the right moment, knowing that we need to do our, obviously our job because that was what we were there for. Absolutely. But in the same time, you know, having enjoying what you what you were doing. So that's something that I. I appreciated a lot uh, in the time that I was working with you, and it, it was it was great. I honestly, yeah, it was just that I want to kind of progress from there on, and then from from when I moved from Royal Yacht, it wasn't much longer till I kind of left the industry entirely. But you nearly took off, didn't you? You nearly flew. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you, was, you were close. Yeah, you were close, close to making it that decision. Which, listen, you have to want to do this, and if life with wives, kids, girlfriends whatever boyfriends whatever yeah, gender yeah, yeah. whatever your circle of life is this is not for the faint hearted it's not a normal job it is not a normal environment we are critiqued every single day yeah and on the same menu that you enjoy doing it but if you come in a little unhappy one this is why i say about being happy and and not making people's lives a misery is because happy people happy food if you've got people walking on eggshells they burn themselves, they cut themselves, they don't want to be there. They start to not, they're not really want to be part of the team because they envisage leaving before they want to envisage staying. So it, it, it goes hand in hand. But like I say, for you, it was, it, like I say, I've, I truly believe you had it. But at the end of the day, you, you've got to make the right decision. Having having all the ability in the world yeah. sometimes isn't enough. Exactly, yeah. You need to walk the extra mile and then continue doing it so for me at some point it was that decision whether which was hard it was really hard and I, I got to admit it you know because i always it was my passion it was my love i always wanted to, it wasn't by mistake that i got into cooking i kind of knew right from the beginning i want to be a chef i want to progress and i want to get as far as possible but it was one of those decisions where I'm like, I'm not sure how it's going to be in, I don't know how many years, because it, it's hard. It's a hard job. I mean, you know more yeah. than anybody else because you've been doing it for that long. And yeah. it's it's not easy. And you do a lot of hours. You are kind of the opposite of the people, you know, that are off. So Saturday, Sundays, you are pretty much there no matter what. Yeah. Getting time off is hard, all that. But I got to admit it, you know, the time that I work with you, you try your best to make it, you know, as pleasant as possible for people that you work with. Yeah. And it's really interesting because you are 
I wouldn't say like the old generation because you're not, you're not. Yeah. You, you, when you come, but still, you know, you kind of learn from them, but you change in a re- what well, I wouldn't say change because you've probably always been like this. But you try to keep people happy. You were not there to shout. You were not there to scream. You were there to kind of form a team. Yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know how how you manage doing that because probably coming from the old school of of cooking, you know, that must have been so hard to find your own way. Yeah. So and you've I, done that. It, it's difficult. It, it is difficult because, like you say, we've got HR departments now. <laughs> um, we've got active doors to knock on that will protect us. Yeah. Whether you want to use them or not, whether you feel that it's but but this is this is all part of why the industry is is failing is is having a really bad time right now is because it's not just because of the cost of living it, it's a lot of other reasons because correct me if I'm wrong but I believe a lot of students now do cook they do waiter waitressing jobs they do cleaning jobs KB jobs they do whatever is there to yeah you know and it's an easily accessible job for a period of time without any pressure to commit to it. So it, it, it is a, it is a, it's time we change the whole culture of not taking ourselves too seriously. Because if you go to the hospital and I, I liken uh, meat to humans, you know, to a degree, we're not saving lives, but we're butchering and doctors butcher. They cut you open, they sort it out and then they stitch you back up. So we do that to a degree, but the animal is dead. So the skill levels that are required that and still slowly disappearing from our trade because we we buy it prepped i mean people in the supermarket what do they do they go if there's a whole chicken there or there's two chicken breasts what do they buy they buy the two chicken breasts so easier you always look for the easier absolutely although it probably not it's not the best yeah and and it's also because we don't have the staff so why would we put pressure on ourselves now by filleting fish and butchering vet saddles of venison saddles of lamb doing the cutlets you know doing the real work that every chef should do because it's absolutely amazing the, the pride you get to, to treat an animal with respect or a vegetable with respect that hasn't been touched apart from by nature. I mean... It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better, does it? But if the skill level isn't there, I find myself now ordering things that I shouldn't because I, I just don't Not have the that. team to do it. You just got to have... And if the quality is still good, we, we, have, to make, we have to make it meet. We have to make it work. So you look at things like, um, I mean, the most common one now is pastry. So sweet pastry isn't made, puff pastry isn't made. In the old days, absolutely no, apart from Delhi France, and that was mega money, you know, you you made it. And and it was a pleasure. So if you went on pastry, the pastry chef would be like, right, I, I need 10 kilos of sweet dough. I need puff pastry making. There's the recipes. Let me know if you need anything. And you'd get that knowledge from them over a period of time. And that, I think outside of really good quality hotels is disappearing because it's all about convenience and speed. Like we say, time is important. People don't want to work 60 hours a week. They want to work 40 hours a week for the same money. Hmm. So that's where the balance is. You go across the water to France, everything, everyone goes, oh, St. Malo, France, Paris, ridiculous how much you pay for a beer, how much you pay for the food. Not really, because you're actually paying for the skill level of the chefs that are regarded as a professional that are doing a 35 to 40 hour week for money that enables them to have a life. Would you say that they they have it, you know, better? A hundred percent. Yeah? A hundred percent. Is this it, a British thing or, or Jersey or well, it's kind of like... Well, if you look at the cultures, if you look at the different cultures you, you've been ex- exposed to in yeah. your time, um, 
In England, it's not a professional. We're governed by the transport union as a as a union, so right, it's not even that. a catering union. So if you want to do it, they're only really so. You're, if you're a member of the transport union to protect yourself in the minimal capacity, you'll be told to go on strike when the lorry drivers are going on strike. So it, it's really bizarre. Oh, wow. In France, you are part of a union that is solely for catering. If you go to Portugal, if you go to Poland, if you go to probably Romania to agree, cooking I is, is think, regarded yeah. as a lesser job. Yeah. It's like, why would you want to do that? But my favorite restaurant is. Yeah. So they don't grasp that there's people in there cooking. I find it crazy. I know that we talk, we're talking about this, you know, that catering, well, probably hospitality in general, it seems like a, such a low-level job, which we both know that you need such a skill, you know, if you want to produce something high standard. Okay, yeah. probably if it's like a coffee shop. It all depends, obviously, at which level. But if you want to do, like, you've been working in at the highest level, you know, for most of your years, and you wouldn't be able to get a person from the street and do the same cooking because that's how kind of I feel is treated sometimes, absolutely. which is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you've got to look at it in, in, in all its entirety, which is you put food in your mouth. Your tummies are now, because of the sterile environment that the EHO are now requiring that we all bow down to their rule, uh, which I think has gone too far now. But you put that in your in your tummy. So you're trusting us to ingest what we give you, but you're not paying us and giving us enough respect for doing it. And that's where it breaks down. Yeah. And too many years as a, of the fat cats of the world been making money off of, it's, it's not slave labor, it's, um, it's unethical really. Uh, it's not regarded. So if you look at, um, I can use a computer so I can, I can deal with money. And I mean, Jersey's a prime example. Yeah. So I, I, can I can process money for a computer. I'm on 60 grand a year. I do nine till five if I'm lucky. And compare the skill, that skill to someone that, you know, it's basically, I always say that to people, you know, chefs have the power to basically kill people. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, yeah, yeah. like it, it's at that level. You Absolutely. don't think about it because if you are, you're probably going crazy, but you get now all the allergies, you get all the intolerances, yeah. you got all that. You mess that up. You have high chances that you're going to probably kill someone. Absolutely. And it's still not regarded as, as a prime job, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Well, it, it comes down to we're, not, we're chefs. We're not dietitians, so we can't do the calories because it's not our interest. Our interest is to actually make the food. Tastes good. You then look at the allergies, which have now come to light because of certain people, anaphylactic, you know, certain things. So you're adapting your food style so that you don't use as much of that product. Um, and it's, it's kind of being enforced it's almost taken away your freedom as a chef. So you've got, it's very interesting finding other avenues and chefs are using very um, flamboyant words for cabbages or they're using the, the old school names and, and, and everyone's going, well, what's that? And it's like, it's cabbage. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't kind of understand yeah, yeah, yeah. it because it's cabbage. Um, there's different forms of cabbage. There's different fish in the sea. So bass. Um, and and I, I think that um, the way the world is going we're becoming very boxed, should we say, because the older generation are dying, which would recognize all the, 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 the seafood in the sea. They know what they're buying. They, 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 they want the mackerels. They want this, whereas the new generation want sea bass, turbot, lobster. It's all about the, if you, uh, the, the show, look at me, uh, look at it. And yes, the chef has to make the food look lovely, but 
you're, you're restricting the gene pool of what we can use because the, the food price has gone up so much. So it has the overfishing, we are doing all that. Totally. What we throw back. Yeah. It's crazy. The cow is probably good just for fillet, steak, sirloin, and ribeye, and the rest is kind of, ah, uh, and something else because yeah. people are not, are not eating. And it's yeah. a shame. Yeah. It's a conversation that I had with Tom the other day that, you know, it's, it's kind of you try to kind of educate as much as you can. I mean, kind of adding certain kind of like weird scene, scene with by people, you know, like ingredients that are not the day to day. But in the end, you know, it's a business and you got to make it work. So you, you kind of like on the on the hamster wheel that you, you kind of never really get off it. Give them what they want. Yeah. And um, it's a shame. You can't really do much. Yeah. In the end, you're there, especially as a head chef, because probably as a chef, you just follow the orders from above and you just cook whatever it, the head chef designed. But you got to make it profitable as well. I think that's the thing, isn't it? We're all bound, unless you own your own business and you are in control of your own gross profits to fit your lifestyle. Every place that you work for has an expectation um, of a GP that makes it work for how much it costs us to put it on a plate, how much it costs to serve the plate, the gas, the electric, everything else that's got to be um, completely relevant to, to what goes into that dish. We we have such a, a larder of food in Jersey that is so underutilized because the younger generation has no interest in it. <laughs> Um, even the older generation, you know, the mummies are, are bowing down to it. So it's difficult to change your menus because I've always said this, and I say this with my hand on my heart, people go to restaurants for dishes, not for the restaurant solely, but I go to that Indian because they do the best Balti. I go to that Thai restaurant because they do the best Penang. I go to Bohemia or it because I want to see something because it's, it's going to be the best of what it can be. I'm specifically going for a reason. So I don't go off piste. You know, I always sit there and peruse the menu and I go, yeah, I know what I'm having. I'm coming back for the same thing I had last time because that's the occasion of what I'm coming back for. But take it off. And if it's a really popular dish, people won't come. So it's a massive, it's a massive, um, you're sort of handcuffed to it. You, you don't know what to do because you're trying to educate people and introduce the older words and the older farming and the, the, the fish that you can use but you know let's make no bones about it is that people just don't really want it and i don't think that's bad because if i'm going to charge you you're, you're happy, happy to, to put pay it back it. in the menu but what? what's crazy about it because now that you're saying that you know what people don't understand you know the fine dining places they change menus often because they want to get the best seasonal ingredients and all that and some people want to eat their i don't know whatever venison let's say all year around which you as a head chef you were like, what's going on here? You know, you, I can't really do that. So that's why, you know, it's really hard that people don't understand that, you know, you're trying to be as seasonal as possible. If you take, this- if you take away accolades, if you take away the ego of the chef and you look at the world market, you can eat anything all year round. Yeah, true. And you can. If, you, if you tell me what's bad, I don't know, because don't eat asparagus, it's out of season, but they're growing it in Morocco, Tunisia, and it's delicious. I don't understand it is is that if it's at the right price and it's well recognized and loved i'll put it on the menu i, I don't care uh, i i think that gone are the days where seasonality what is seasonality i don't know what seasonality is because even you know you look at the the oranges you look at the blood oranges you look at the bananas you look at everything that goes in desserts if your menu's diluted with non-seasonal stuff anyway then just cook what you want to cook for your clients that they're going to love 
that's going to keep you in a job, keep your staff paid and keep everyone happy. Because I, I guarantee you, seasons will have quieter seasons. You'll have busier seasons because of what the produce is. But if you take off, so you've heard the word signature dishes. Yeah. You keep your signature on all year round. If you look at, um, go to London, there's restaurants that have dishes on all year round. They're exactly the same. They go on a great British menu and they're, 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 that dish has to be on six, seven, eight, nine, ten months until until it's gone well, through the process. Yeah, and, mine, yeah. But why not? If people will pay for it. And right now we need bums on seats. Is there a difference between how hospitality or cooking, like the, the whole restaurant industry used to be when, when kind of you started or when you were like a lot younger than Huge now? Huge difference. Huge difference. Uh, the equipment has brought so much to the kitchens. I mean, you know, water baths, um, gastrovacs, um, thermomixes, backpacking, everything. You know, when I, when I started, I started in a country house in the New Forest and, and it was, everything was just made. You didn't have bought in, like I say, you never had bought in pastry. You never, had, everything was made. You had chefs everywhere. Every single department had four or five chefs, a sous chef running it, and then two chef de parties and a, and a commie, and then a team within teams. Kind yeah, of thing. Absolutely, but you 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 had work to do. I mean, when you walk through the door, you were four guns to the pump, getting your ass kicked. You then the cleaning, then everything. So it's it's massively changed. It's massively changed, and it's not for the best, I don't think, because there's a lot of things in that time where if you look at obesity and you look at and this is where allergens come in, is if you've made it from from scratch. You know what is in it right if, from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, you've got fish oil in croissants because it's cheap. Oh, wow. They didn't so even know that. They're all, they're all eating croissants and, oh, but fish oil? Now, if I, I go into a French recipe for puff pastry or for any pastry but that's relevant to that, it's butter and they make their, their their dough and then they fold it in. They they do the, the set fold, set roll, set fold. And you can tell me there's no fish oil in it. But it's all about longevity, isn't it? It's all about convenience. It's all about something that can last in a freezer for two years or, you know, it's got additives. I always, I, I get blown away by people that drink Red Bull and all these energy drinks. And I said, just look at the ingredients, just stop and look at the ingredients. I'm drinking a beer now, and and I guarantee you, there's only six, seven ingredients in it. But you look at a Red Bull, any of these energy drinks that kitchen work. I mean, everybody's yeah, going to do a long day. They're, 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 they're swinging back two monsters or a Red Bull or whatever, and you just think to yourself, in my day, you never that it was water. All the chefs sat down for their meal. That was the the, the most of the old school chefs. No matter whether they liked you, hated you, whatever, everyone got fed just before dinner service and you sat down with people you hated people that made your life an absolute misery but it was food and that food was made by one of the departments at any given day yeah. it was lovely it was lovely it was it was it was such a nice touch because no matter what happened you had that silence but you still had that you still felt the team even though you were thinking i'm gonna smash him when he walks up you know it's <laughs> And it's it just gets you through the day. No one really gets violent with other people. It, it, you just keep it in your your thoughts, and you get that. But you never do anything about it because at the at the end of the day, it's about the food. It's always about the food. If you make it about the food, that's where the happiness comes in. If you don't make it about ego, you take all that out and fashion and everything else, and just cook really nice food. 
if you go to St. Malo again, and loads of these people say it, the, the occasion is a whole turbot has been salt baked. And you just plonk it on the table with just some nice new potatoes and, and a mix. They're all very simple, yeah. And but- everybody, everybody will tell you. So they could have a spherification, a, a slow-cooked piece of salmon out of the water bath, and you could torch it, you can gel it, you can do whatever you want with it. Everybody will remember that turbot because it was the best of what it could be with the simplicity of everything else. And it's just what people recognise. It's what, wouldn't you? If you sat down with friends, would you rather have everybody having a little dish of something or would you rather someone come and plonk a, a board on a table with a, a whole fish that's been beautifully prepared, some vegetables and some sauce and everything, and you just knock yourself out? I mean, I can't think of anything more social. Are we complicating food too much, like to the point that everything needs to be foams and these and that? Because now you're talking about this. Would you say that, obviously, because people are asking, it's not necessarily Absolutely. that chefs necessarily want sometimes but they've got to adapt we as chefs are dictated by our clients so if the clients want to be welled for the money that they get we have to adapt we have to change we have to add but you can still keep recognizability with your flavor so if you're adding gels purees um different textures just keep it right keep it keep it within the bounds of that dish but when you try too hard for me, I, I've always said it if you, when you worked at the yacht, if you looked at most of the food, I don't know how to do spherification. I don't want to know about how to do spherification. I, I think it's, it's a chemical thing and it's got its place in the world. But I'd rather buy the turbot. I'd rather buy the, the, the Jersey bass. I'd rather buy venison or guinea fowl or whatever it is to be what it will be with something recognizable that people can't cook at home because they can't do the processes that we do. That's enough for me. That that with just a bit of interest, maybe a combination of flavors. Lobster with white chocolate and parsnip, you know, is is one of my favorite things in the world because it works. You stick the caviar in, but really at the end of the day, it's just white chocolate, which is fat, parsnip, lobster, caviar, and it's delicious. It's simple. It just got a twist, you know, compared yeah. to what he, it probably was uh, Absolutely. years back. Yeah, if you think lobster thermidor, what is it? It's a, it's a cheese. <laughs> a cheese sauce yeah you know bound with lobster very heavy heavy on mustard then gratinated with lots of heavy cheese and then served with potatoes and 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 again it's got its place but if you look at it now barbecuing and all the japanese side of cooking is coming in you know people want abachi grills and i don't know is it not just a grill <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. I, I get confused i'm confused because Stick a big char grill in front of me. I'm a happy boy, you know. I can do a lot. That, that will do, yeah. But a little box and a little pair of tweezers rolling across a hibachi grill, that has a place, but not for me. So you've got to bow down to trends, but you've still got to keep it where you're comfortable and you can cook the food that your guests desire and, and you're happy to give them. It's all about being proud, isn't it? You know, if you see a clean plate, I don't need to ask anyone. You know already that they enjoyed it. It's done. Same when you're at home. If your wife has a quick clean plate or she leaves something, you go, oh, hang on a minute. What's what happening? What was wrong with that? Uh, nothing. And you, but you know there is something and you're like, tell me, what is it? Because it, it eats at you. As a chef, it eats at you. You get a lot of uh, sleepless nights, well, especially when you have you know, major issues. It, it does. It, it, you can't just cut off, cut off from it. You, it's kind of, um, 
it's kind of a disease (laughs) (laughs) Um, that engulfs you and then it lets you go once you become confident and comfortable enough to know who you are. And that's when you're you're ready to be a head chef, I think, is that you're you're sure where you are, you're sure of what you're serving, you know it works, you include your team because you never want to stop learning. And that is the most important key to cooking is that you never, ever stop. Every day is so different. I can't tell you that I've had two days the same in 31 years of cooking. I can't tell you I've had the same yeah. day. It's really bizarre. Yeah, I couldn't say that that day mirrored that day. It's exactly what happened yesterday. It, it's not. The only thing you can guarantee is you get your bum touched every now and again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, talking about the the menus, you know, how do you how do you, how do you put together menus? Is it a lot easier than for you now? Because obviously, working in the industry for that many years, you kind of like form some sort of. Uh, not just the skill, you know, but do you have some sort of process that, let's say, whether it's winter, whether it's summer, I know what I'm going for and I know it's going to do well because you have that experience or you Absolutely. never really... Yeah. I, I, if you take me out of Jersey, that, that will change because I'm going to go into a new set of clients that have a different expectation and a different, and we have a different larder. Yeah. So as my cooking style won't change, it can evolve which it does, but the, 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 the principles are always the same. So I don't just do things by knee jerk. I, if I go and eat at a restaurant, there'll be something that grabs me that I go, I've got to put that somewhere, but my way, but I've got to do that. That's really clever. That's really interesting. Yeah. I guess you still get, can get inspired. You always totally. kind of like learn. It's absolutely it's kind of fine. I've got kids it? now, so I don't get out much. Yeah. Um, because they're not, you just can't take young kids to restaurants of that ilk yeah, where you want or, that level. or where you're going to be spending that kind of money and they're just going to, you order them something, they're not going to eat it. They're going to want to run around the restaurant. No one deserves <laughs> that. So I don't go out much, but I do I do still watch all the cooking programs. I still watch everything that is relevant to me. And, and you know, I still talk to chefs on the island. This island has so many great personalities, all of them different, and all of them are doing a fucking fantastic job. And I don't think they get the credit they deserve for what they try to achieve because there is a staffing crisis. If you don't have living, then it is always going to be a stress. So that alienates about 60% of all the restaurants, stroke hotels on the island that are still, you know, fighting for for whatever they can get. And and that's where I feel that, um, you know, I'm going to be a bit political now, but (laughs) the island has basically allowed a lot of skilled Romanian, Polish... Portuguese chefs, front of house, housekeepers, cleaners, whatever you want to say, we've had a mass exodus of staff because of the cost of living crisis. Now, most of the people that I know are doing two jobs at lower levels. So if they're doing earlies, they're doing an evening job because they need to, why are we being taxed on a second job? You can have your social security because that pays for people to live. You know, that gives to the poor, That that's, that's great. But if you've paid on your main job, your full-time job, why would you be expected to pay? I don't see um, multi-millionaires going out every evening and working a shift. I don't see people that are middle class and above going out. And it, and it, and that's where it, that void's gone. In Jersey, we've got such a diverse culture of class. That's the void that doesn't get filled because we all those people are doing really well and they don't need it. Everyone else is paying for that. 
Does that make sense? Is the state doing enough for this industry? Absolutely not. No. No. No, no. That was my question, or one of the questions that I kind of wanted to ask because... In my opinion, not even close. Is it because it's not, you know, the financial uh, professional services and all that, you know, they're too strong, like banks, whatever, you know? We need them. They're they're the ones spending. We do, but do you think that that's the reason why, you know, we, we... we don't have the state, you know, kind of fighting for the industry at all. Or, I mean, probably they do. I don't know. You kind of tell me how much they do or how much they don't. But do you feel like uh, that's the reason why? Because we don't rely that much on on tourism or uh, hospitality. We just kind of like, ah, oh, it's there. So Jersey is and was um, very heavily associated with the war, as we know. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of older generation that came here for holidays, loved it. It's a safe haven through COVID because it was still part of the UK. It was accessible. If you look at the way the government have um, allowed hotels to be sold for, um, what do we call it, affordable housing, flats, which if that many people are leaving the island, I don't know, A, who's filling these flats, B, what's affordable. So anyone that wants to come to the island to work as a chef, even as a head chef, even on good money per se, it's going to want to. It's going to be spending two thousand a month plus. If they've got a family, it's going to be well in the plus to live. So that's thirty six grand a year. So if you're earning sixty grand, that leaves you twenty four. You're going to have to have a car. You're going to have to live with your bits. Your wife, you won't want them to work, or they do work. I don't. I don't. Yeah. You know, even so, to to create and generate a lifestyle that is reflective of the country where you're coming from to live here. It's not going to work. I I honestly believe that if if I hadn't been here the amount of time that I've been here and I was just starting this journey, I would be one of the people that had gone. I, I just can't see the value in it, even in where I'm from, Portsmouth. You know, a two-bedroom flat is 600 a month and I can get a job for 45, 50 grand as well. So it, it puts it all into relative. And then obviously the cost of shopping is, is cheaper. Everything is cheaper, more access for my kids to do things. So the flip side of that is Jersey's beautiful. It's yeah. got great, it's, totally. it's, it's safe, it's culturally great, it's a seafood, it's got everything. So again, it's not that I'm saying it's that bad. And what I'm saying is that that's what they need to start to look at. And we're talking probably outside of the, our industry as well, into the, you know, the cleaning industries, the other industries. So even banks are suffering a little bit. Yeah, totally. you know, that Because the cost of living for their lower paid staff, it's all about... Like I say, and the lower paid staff do the jobs in the bars. They do the, they, they will get the second job. But if you're being taxed on it, the following year, your whole tax goes up. <laughs> so you're robbing Peter to feed Paul. So this is where the government, in my opinion, needs to really sharpen their pencil and start having a think because they're, they're suffocating us. And also they put up so many, you know, hurdles for visas that haven't been properly negotiated with the other countries to get it quicker, to smooth it off, to give the person in question who wants to come back and earn money for their families quicker return, they're away for three months. They're not earning for three months. They're just sat there waiting for their visa to come through. We're sat there waiting three months for them to get here that we've put the nine months into. So let's let's get together, you know, let's let's kind of make it work. <laughs> make it work. For God's sake, please. Because <laughs> It will get worse. Yeah. Because they won't want to come because they can go elsewhere. They can go to the UK, get the same visa. They can go to France, get the same visa. You know, we're, we're out of, through Brexit, we're now out of that picture. But 
Romanian people, Polish people. They're already in the European Union. It's so much easier for them to go in France. It's yeah. actually a lot easier than coming to the UK. Absolutely. So why would you do it? Yeah, it's a good question. So what's the way out uh, with, uh, with, well, obviously you, you're probably going to stay here now since you kind of like got stuck in Jersey. It's, I'm not sure if it's probably too late or like you got, you obviously got no, children and you're probably going to... I'm not staying here for the rest of my life. I know. That's for sure. So but that's not a plan. I, I've got, um, we've all got plans. We've got to make it right work for yeah. ourselves. And Jersey has been, the, the, to me, it's been fantastic. I've seen the good years uh, it, we're going for a sticky wicket right now, but I'm sure that <laughs> as it gets worse, it will force people to make change um, if governments want to be re-elected because rich people, uh, people with good incomes want good restaurants. And if they start to suffer and hotels, you've seen, they're all disappearing. So also that makes us less attractive as a as a destination because totally. most of the hotels now are, are very expensive. There's no cheap budget ones. You, you lost, you know, all the good ones that were for families that were affordable. There's no gradient, like there's no, no. in between anything. It's just no. expensive and that's pretty much it. And that's it. So, you know, you've got your charmed life. If you're, if you're down on the Weybridge or center of St. Helier or you've got the name and the exclusivity, then you're going to be okay. And this is, don't take this the wrong way at all. I'm not da- casting downs on any of them. They're all entitled to, and they're fantastic establishments. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying about the government is where they yeah. need to start reacting. So if you speak to a... If you speak to any of the old reps, they'll tell you this. And this is a, a, a phenomenal statistic that back in the heyday, 60s, 70s, early 80s, there, there was 25,000 beds on the island. Wow. That's hotels, hotels, guest houses, 25,000. And they were all loving life. So we've got probably 5,000 at the moment. We lost Such the Apollo, huge. we lost the Merton, not the Merton, Merton the, the, Mayflower, yet, the Mayflower, <laughs> um, uh, the Savoy. I mean, come on. How, how, how much? How, how can we be a tourist destination anymore if we're losing bets? We've got two Premier Inns. And if you look at the Premier Inn price compared to the UK, mm-hmm. are you joking? Mm-hmm. It's already costing us more to get over here. We don't want to spend more. Premier yeah. should be standard, but it's yeah. about 40 quid dearer than what it is in... It's almost wow. like, yeah, it's crazy. It's, what can I say? But this is where we need to sharpen it up. But they obviously, we need restaurants to survive. We need the industry to survive. We need people to survive. And the only way we can do that is if, if it's politically challenged to come up with a better formula. So Marcus is now head of, with his wife, of the JHA. Yeah. And I just hope that they actively do a lot more than previous leaders of the JHA because they are in the industry well they should understand it better at least absolutely and and we had time you know we went through COVID we had a two-year process where we could have put everything in place it could have been all gone to the state's assembly there could have been a business plan and how the industry with all the hotel leaders that are, are directly affected by this would have for me I mean there was just it was just a, a lot of backslapping and, and not really a lot of action and it got worse and worse and worse. And here we are. The devil's at the door. Marcus is is a big personality. He's a straight shooter, you know, and he's he's personally invested in it. So I believe that his direction, if if he can give it the time and the the probably his wife, you know, more so, and get to the bones of it, you know, and don't make it just a membership thing if you're you know. Get get everybody involved. Everybody who cares can get involved. 
If you don't have to subscribe, I don't. I believe that you should just care about the industry in Jersey. I'm part of the Jersey Hospitality Association with Kitchen Draft, which I don't really do. I don't have customers or anything, but I just find it that is a great idea. Well, at least I think it's a great idea. I'm not sure how it's going to go further, but I do believe, you know, that being together, we in theory should have a stronger voice. Now, how this is going to be managed, how we're going to go forward, I have no idea, but I, I, hope that we're going to go somewhere because what's, what's the solution to the crisis industry, to the to the uh, staff crisis? Yeah. What, what's the solution in your opinion? What, apart from what the state does, what can the businesses do for this? Is there something that you have in mind? Or what can even head chefs or whoever is like an, a management level, you know, in whether it's a hotel, whether it's a restaurant, what can they do? To, to make it better? Is there something? Well, there's probably a, a mixture of three to four things and people are going to add. It's all down to the DNA of each business. For me, it's about control of hours for staff, living conditions, pay, perks. <laughs> so if you look at a bank, you get a pension. Yeah. You get health insurance. Extras, basically. So whatever your wage is plus that. So why why are we not really privy to that, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. So we are human beings. We should be entitled to health insurance. We should be entitled to a pension. Whatever we put in, you put in, same as anywhere else. This all comes at a premium. So I'm, I'm not fool enough to think that it isn't going to affect the overall scheme of how this island works from this industry. But there is more than enough money and no, more than enough sustainability to do so. And, and and the sooner we do it, because if it does crack, we're going to end up like Monaco. We'll have no staff here in the winter and it'll just be open in the summer. <laughs> and that's no good for anyone. I mean, this is an all year round island. So I, I think they they really need to, to, to start. And like I say, I'm not political. I'm just talking from, yeah, uh, from the heart of, of what I see and how, when I speak to people, how they feel. And really, there's a distinct lack of balls from people to to basically stand up and say enough. And that's the biggest problem is that you need to say enough. Enough's enough. We need to come up with some proper solutions. And, and this is also protecting the people that are coming from other countries. Yeah. Because they're actually coming into a sustainable environment and an environment where they're regarded as a human being with nice accommodation where they're not living in mold and rubbish and it's affordable. They can eat. They can send a bit home because they're only here for nine months. Yeah. So we're giving them the right environment. And you can hear all the talk and success stories, but this has only been the first real trial year that we've just gone through. So there's going to be positivity around it. But it won't be long before they start saying, well, hang on a minute, am I not being abused now? Because every time I sign into it, I'm not getting any pay rise, I'm not getting anything else. Yet the people are on more than me elsewhere. Or I can go down the street and get more for my value now, for my skill. Everything is about value. You you start off as a commie, you learn more, you get more. You learn more than that, you the get more chef to buy. Further you go, the more you're entitled. So it's not about name, like I said, about being called chef. It's about you having knowledge to run a kitchen. That's all it is. That's the only difference between you and your chefs. But they're all so important to that. The kitchen porters, the cleaners, the, the waiters, the waitresses, the, everything is so important to that. And, it, and it's understanding that that chain is now becoming expensive because the whole life is becoming expensive on Jersey because of the cost of living. 
Jersey can do something about it, but they don't because it's, <laughs> there's obviously some political reason why not. But when it does get dire, you watch it will just suddenly then ch- we'll change. Cry. And, and you'll go, why don't you do that sooner? It's like, there's the panic button. <laughs> don't touch it. Yeah, no, no, not yet, not yet. It's not that. It's not ready. Yet. Stay away from that. Just don't touch it. You know, it's like and it would be fine. Yeah. It's like keep Putin away from the button. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is, and, and I'm just digressing. But really, to to be fair, this, again, this is all about giving us the next 20, 30, 40 years to the island because it needs it. It needs hospitality to survive. And it needs the industry of banking to survive. It needs the multi-millionaires to be. It's all a circle. Everything has to be here. So let's protect it. And let's let's not let it go to an island where we lose population because then we'll all be paying for a hospital. Oh, no, that never got built. (laughs) Then we're going to be paying for a hospital that we never had. But we're still paying for it because we don't have enough people. So taxes will go up. Social security will go up because you don't have the physical body count to pay what you need. Would you... Recommend. I mean, you, I know you've got two beautiful children. Uh, if they decide to go into this industry, would you recommend them to make a move? Or it, you know, a lot of people say that, and a lot of people ask that question, and a lot of people come back with a mixed answer. But for me, if they're happy, I don't care. All I can do is is sit in the in the back and just make sure that they're steered in the right direction when they need it, when they need to ask me, like any father in whatever field that they go into i mean if you said if you said to me uh, i want to be a lawyer well i've got no idea about that i can't steer you in any direction all i can do is sit back and and try and help you financially and that's as good as it gets because i'm not a lawyer so considering that you know how the industry is like today they decide i mean i know they're not the age of deciding themselves right now but knowing the hospitality industry, would you say, if they will ask you for advice, obviously you will support them no matter what, because that's why that's what usually happens. Parents just support their children. Yeah. But if they will ask for advice, like what would you do? Would you just say yes or no? I'd, I'd just say to them, the reality of it is, is if you're happy doing it, you'll get our full support. If you need anything from me, a recipe or anything, I'd probably be outdated by them. But <laughs> if you need anything from me, you just come and ask. And, and and I, I've had a great time. I've got nothing negative to say. About That's what I'm story. saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, considering I, all, everything, everything together. else. I've I've from a non-educated lad. I've had a great life. I've travelled the world. I enjoy what I do. Have I worked a day in my life? Yeah, but not without a smile. Which is how many people can say that? True. I, I've loved it. And and even when it's bad. You vent with your mates and you you just do a few swear words, few you know, like Ramsey does. He just blah, 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 beep, 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 bit of fun, everyone laughs. And then you're in the pub later having a beer and you go home and and, and it's very, very simple, but it's it's the best. Like, I've had the best time. I and know. I'm worried, I'd be worried that those best times are disappearing. Because mm. people should be having those best times. Should experience that life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful industry, honestly. It really is. And it's just such a shame that, you know, it's not staring into the right direction. It's just not it's not kind of like going from, from above where it should be. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. There's so many beautiful moments and you know, because you obviously work hard, you kind of play hard as well in the same time. And it comes from the top. And you you were you were always positive. I mean, I were with you about one year or something, yeah. and I don't think I've seen you once 
being properly angry. Although you probably had moments like when you, but you would always kind of like smile right after. Let's do it. You know, it, it is what it is. And it's not. It's not many people that can do that. You know. Yeah. You you are a rare chef. You know, in this in this industry, I would say. I mean, I actually was completely bald, but because I've had such a good life, I've got a bit of hair around it. So it's a reverse of what, what most people would think. How do you balance, uh, well, probably something that people ask you as well, but how do you balance work? Because obviously you're working at the highest level in, when it comes to like whatever industry we've got in Jersey. How you balance that with family? Because now it's not like, when we when we've met when we worked together i don't think you had children at the time so now it must be even more complicated it, you know I, w- I was quite lucky I, I moved to the garden center at st peter's for my family so i sacrificed my culinary joy for my life with the family at a young age so i could enjoy them being kids gave me the nights off but even now i need the support of my wife pro Primarily, everything evolves around her. Um, she's got to look after the kids now in the evening. Um, and she's got to put up with them, you know, and she's got to put up with them being needing... All that life. <laughs> and she's Polish, so, you know, schools are going to be a pain in the bum. Everything's going to be a different change for her. But she supports me 150%, so I have to do the same for her. So there will be days at work when I'm going to have to say, I've got to go. And, you know, no, no employer wants to hear that. But if I've got a wife that's really, or I'll phone in sick. I mean, it sounds really bad, but the partnership warrants that if she needs me, then family first. And I'd say that to any of the people working for me is that no matter, we're only cooking food here, get out, you know, and it will create whatever. And it, and it can ultimately go against me, but. I think you've got to understand that everybody deserves the right to be able to walk out of their job when the family is requiring them to be at home. And and that's the difference is, is finding the right balance. So I pick the kids up still. I get up with the kids now as opposed I, I, and I was kind of working most evenings last year anyway. So, so long as they saw me in that capacity with days off and that gave my partner those two nights off. So I never had a day off really, but when your kid's jumping on your tummy and trying to beat you up, there's nothing better than that. You know, is that a day off? Yeah, it's brilliant. It, it's it's invigorating. So kids added a, a financial pressure, but certainly they, they like batteries. But they like batteries. They, they, <laughs> you know, they just keep it going because soon I'm going to blink and they're going to be 16, 17 and you've seen all the kids on the street and they don't want to know their parents. So, so you want to enjoy this time with oh, them. Oh, you know, absolutely. That, Absolutely. There's a priority now. Absolutely. So is it hard? No, no, it's not. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Well, that, that that's great to hear that. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, so many people have a hard time, you know, balancing, you know, work with, with home. But it's good that you, you know, what are your priorities? You just kind of follow that. And, you know, if people, you know, whoever employs you are happy with it, will move forward. If not. Absolutely. If not moving in the opposite directions. And yeah, that, that should be it. What keeps you motivated? And my kids. Uh, my kids, my kids, my kids, my wife, my family behind me, my mom, my dad. Um, it, I come from quite a competitive family. So being the youngest, I was always the worst at everything in the younger years. So you, you get a natural competitive streak in yourself. So if you look at um, 
if we had it right, I'm 50, pushing 50 now. So if you said, let's have a race, I know I'd lose, but I'd try and race you another 100 times until I got closer to you. But not because it was a, the beating you, it's the competitive side of what it is. So that's what keeps me motivated is, is what, what, what the world offers, what my kids and my family offer. You know, it's going to sound cliche, but I'm the happiest man there is. You know, what more do I want? Do I want to be a millionaire? No. Do I want to be a, a pilot? No, no. I want to be me. And, and no one teaches you to be happy. So the sooner you find your happy you, keep hold of that person because everything else just adds to it. You need to add. You need to complement. As you grow through life, you meet a lot of toxic people, but their toxic side of them makes you more positive. It makes you stronger. Life is now is very very fickle and very cheap you know we all watch tiktoks and you know <laughs> and when i say tiktoks it's not to learn how to food or to listen to people it's to watch people doing weird stuff and it and you're dating on apps you there's no i i, I love talking i love uh, being in interaction yeah absolutely live interaction and kitchens are exactly that and we've had you know when you're at the yacht yeah. i mean how many different personalities do we have all all working in that one area and then you'd, you'd, you'd be having a tough time, but then someone would break the ice with a fart or something. <laughs> and it, it, it just, yeah. it just, it just releases the tension, but you always get a miserable one. You always get one you don't like. You always get someone who thinks they're more than it. It just, it's, it just happens. It's the recipe. It's, 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 that's what it is. If you look at a recipe, if everybody was the same, it would be boring. What are some of the challenges you're facing now uh, in this industry obviously uh, stuff is one is there something else that let's say you yeah you you're trying to there's one massive one is everybody's trying to get too technological oh so you can't just write a rotor you have to go onto a app <laughs> that app gives your employer access to you so they can see 24 what? 7 a day um they can well i emailed you or i send you a message and, they, and kitchens have no business of this um it's about feel it's about due diligence it's about accountability and accountability can't be through a tablet or you know you need to communicate if i say to you right that's it everybody everybody knows because you you've got the app yeah but i didn't want it's that not day. human I, I didn't want that day off well it's done now <laughs> it's on the app <laughs> whereas with the rotor you could go up cross it off talk to your team yeah so there's a lot of things that the kitchens just don't need. You do need progression. But what happens if it all fails? What happens if it crashes? What happens if we have power cuts? What happens if we have uh, no internet? There's no there's no answer for that. That you what you, what are you going to do? It's the same thing, isn't it? Are the ordering all the orders now apparently, you know, I was talking all to Tom. Online, yeah, all online just sit there ba 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 send. Then you pray that everybody's received them because you didn't get a glip in the internet and in, in how they receive them. Yeah. So there's it's taking away a lot of the communication and reps for all that they are full of shit. They can tell you what is good and what isn't good. I remember and, you being in a really good relationship at the yacht. Like they were always coming, communicating what they've got available, what is what is a good price, what is not a good price, see the next one, compare yeah. and all that. And yeah. now on now, the apps, it's just not the same. Even on the phone, if you ask an operator, um, when's your delivery for Guinea fowl? Um, normally on a, uh, two, well, 
have you got any guinea fowl? You know, whereas a rep walks through the door, you say, right, I need guinea fowl for a function or you need it. So that it's supreme and less. Is there a dying job? It's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it, costs are cutting. They're trying to be too smart and electronics just don't have any business in the in the kitchen. It's all about, you know, you look at, you look at water baths. I mean, you taste the roasted piece of meat that's been cooked through an oven, taste a bit of water bath meat. They're going to be different in appearance because they don't caramelize quite as well. Mm. And, but they'll be so different in taste in my opinion. So, you know, that, that again is, is technological technology taking out the skill because we don't have enough people in the kitchen we want equipment that picks up the extra work chuck it in a water bath leave it at whatever degree take it out sear it because probably people don't know how to properly cook a steak for example do you all all come down to that a, a friend of mine once said many years back many many years back and this resonates with me massively he was sous chef at the waterside three-star michelin which is just down the road from the fat duck no chef from the water side could work at the fat duck and vice versa because they were all different kind what, of one, technology one was technology the other was classic one was classic about classic and driven so they couldn't go there and then suddenly start putting probes in potatoes <laughs> to find out what the water content was it, it just it was like hang on a minute you tell a french person yeah your rat potatoes are shit <laughs> We need to probe them so that we know what the, the percentage of water is in it. Would you say that it's this is mental? This is just the trend, or we kind of like heading that direction where the chef will more or less supervise uh, all this equipment, and more or less the job of a, of a chef or head chef will be just more plating than anything else. Are we heading that way, or this is a trend? As a business owner, yes, we're heading that way because it will save me so much money. Uh, As as a realist, I don't think it ever can because feeling, touch, taste, if we both get the same recipe, we're going to have the different process on how to get there. Even if it's got exactly the same ingredients, True. it'll look the same. It won't look the same, sorry. It'll, it'll be different because your eye will be different of what you're going to see the dish. My eye will be different of seeing the dish, but the, the, the components, everything else will be the same. So I envisage that there's going to be um, a, a lot of blend, but good kitchens look at investment i mean fuselages things like that they don't come cheap firmer mixes don't come cheap there's so much that it is an investment you know even ranges with you know induction they don't come cheap so if you invest yes that's fine but ultimately you've got to understand that if the vac pack doesn't work and you can't water bath you've got, well, to, be able to, you've got to be able to cook and that's what you're paying for. That that is ultimately what you're paying for with people in kitchens that have the the right blend of technology to to staff, and that makes the perfect kitchen. And that I don't ever see that leaving you know high end cooking. But would you say that the chefs, you know, that they obviously if they get used to you know all these technologies, you know, they will lose the day to day skill. You know that in the past it was basically some- it's highly possible. Yeah. It's highly possible. I mean, never say never because it, it's about demand, isn't it? You know, the demand of people in their 50s and 60s is, is totally different to people in their 20s and 30s. So if they've gone, you know, when people say, oh, I went to this place and I had this absolute, it was a Michelin star place and I had this amazing, <laughs> and you sit there and look look at them and, go, and, and they're looking, can you recreate it? And you're like, absolutely not. Because I haven't tasted it. Yeah. 
it doesn't matter what ingredients you just by looking at something yeah no never i can make it look the same or ish i've got no idea i would do it my way but also a a computer can't look a computer it comes back to what we were talking at the beginning you know like people seeing seeing chefs in such a weird weird way you know they don't really see them as like a like a very skilled, you know, they, they just like, oh, it looks like that, you know, just recreated, you know, what's the big deal? But yeah. it's so much more that he goes behind it. If you say to any housewife, so you, if you look at kitchens, housewife's kitchens, yeah. you, I've been in some houses that have the most beautiful kitchens in you've ever seen. They've got everything that aren't used. They're just beautiful. Even if you're a keen cook, a home cook that cooks for your family, invite 15 people around and cook for them. But invite 15 people that one of them's a vegan, one of them's a vegetarian, one of them's gluten intolerant, one of them doesn't like fish, one of them doesn't like meat. That's the difference, is the is is how you adapt to doing everybody needs to be served at the same time. You you've words in it, you've seen it, you've got problems. Even even in professional kitchens, you can only do so much with the space you have to do, but you've got to be organized enough to get the next lot out straight away. And I always say to say to people, can you tell the table that as soon as they get the food to start eating? Yeah. Oh, we can't do that. <laughs> but it's going to be cold then, isn't it? <laughs> and then you get into other issues, people complain. That's it. And-, and that's why I always try to say to people, you never do anything over a table of eight. If you can put eight plates out on your hot plate, that's the maximum size of the table. If you, you want to keep be a doing. high standard. If you want people to have hot food. It's not even about hot steak. If you've had a rare, if you if I serve you a medium rare steak, and you're on the first run, and you're waiting for the second run for that because you've got a table of twelve, and and I can only serve six steaks, your steak will be cold. You will be your friends will have a hot steak because you're waiting for them, <laughs> but your steak will not be anywhere near what it should be. So it's about it's about being clever really, and communicating with the front of the house and having the. The balls, really, to to say, listen, just start eating. Okay. How is the communication with the front of house going? Is I that know. still on? I've never really had a problem. Um, I've had problems with individuals that I always say, if you're in it, you never speak bad to each other. But when you're in and out, usually you think you're entitled to an opinion. And that's not going to happen in my book. You, you know, I only respect people that will do it and have been in the darkest days of the service where it's really getting stressful and everybody's running about like idiots and you're doing your best to to keep maintaining that standard and that rhythm. Uh, but listen, again, they've got a job to do. We don't see that they get, excuse me, uh, can you get me, um, yeah, but I'm just trying to finish serving that table. <laughs> yeah, but I want more wine. Uh, it's, yeah. you just they have know. their own part, which is difficult. That's yeah. it. Yeah, they've got to deal with the customer. They've got to deal with the looks you remember in the open kitchen you could you'd, you'd look about and you, when you see the food put down if you saw them go you looked away because you knew they were happy there's all done, done. there's one happy customer but right when now. you saw someone go <laughs> they either didn't have the ketchup or they didn't have or something i'm just using ketchup as an example yeah yeah it's there's something that was annoying them they have to deal with that every day as a chef you don't are the customers more complicated than years ago? Obviously, we, we talk about the, we talk about allergies, we talk about intolerances, and you know this is a big thing now. 
you probably get now before you probably used to get one a month and now you get one every other day or I mean, I, I, it was like that I when I left, that. but yeah, totally. now it it's is. even more. It is that. It, it's about, I want to be special. So Yeah, some are going with the trends. Some of them are genuinely, genuinely have it. an issue. And how do you tell? Exactly. <laughs> so you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So menus have now so heavily developed into, we've got to have a vegetarian section. You've got to have a vegan section. You've got to have a Muslim section. You've got to have a Rastafarian section. I don't know. I mean, where do we, where do we say, this is what we offer. This is what we can do. If you phone up and say, right, I have intolerances to all these, but I have an absolute, absolute danger zone on nuts or seeds or whatever. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure because we're not working in sterile environments. And even so, the ingredients you get, you don't really know how they've been handled. Yeah, can't guarantee it. Exactly. You've got no idea how you can. So so you literally, you know, hold your breath. Coming back to you can kill people. Yeah, like absolutely. absolutely. And that's scary. It's a scary place to be, especially when people are like, I cannot have peanuts anywhere near. I do even say, well, we can't really accommodate you because we have nuts in the kitchens. We have traces of nuts in certain things so i it's a very interesting interesting world right now uh what's going to be the next thing you know to blow our worlds apart but it deserves more respect and but if if you're a guest in in a restaurant that i work in or a hotel that i work in rest assured and i'm the same sure it's the same for most places in jersey they care they want to give you the best experience that they can give because there's no point not to. I mean, it's your. It's also your name. You know, they know oh, Steve is the head chef there. You would do your best, even from that point of view. You know, making sure that just because you know you put obviously all those all, all that effort creating the menu, training your chef to to make it you know work. You know, understand it and all that. And obviously, you wanted to 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 have people that are enjoying it. So yeah. there's no question about it. I'm sure, like whatever you work, you know, you done your 100 percent. As probably many people, you know, sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But it's such a subjective thing, you know. I might like it, you might yeah. not, and so on. Yeah. Food is so debatable all well, the time. When you got married, you, you and your wife had to come up with what food you wanted at your wedding. So you got two people with a different idea of what is acceptable. You speaking yeah. from with a chef's influence, she wants because it's a special day. Then you've got to think for 100, 150 people. What are they going to enjoy? Then you've got to put all the intolerances into it. And then when you actually get to the bare bones of it, it's the hardest part of the whole day. Yeah, actually right. It, it's yeah. the weirdest part of the whole day because you do your cake tasting. Don't like that one, like that one. But I really like that one. And then it, 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 that's what food is. It is interpretation, suggestion of what people's ideas are. So when people say, go to Bohemia, go to Samphire, go to Tassili, go to the Atlantic. So I've just put the four biggest accoladed places on the island are thrown in Longville Manor. Everybody will say, I had a great meal at the Atlantic, but oh, I didn't like Bohemia. <laughs> and then some, the person next to them will go, but I thought Bohemia was fantastic. It was just mind-blowing. And then someone will say, Tassily was better than all of them. So how do you... How do you, how do you judge? How do you say who's the best? 
If you go on all the Michelin star trip advisors, free star, the best restaurants in the world, voted best restaurant in the world, the top 10, every single one of them will have that, that guest going, was it what? Wasn't all that. <laughs> what were people going on about? I had to go for a kebab afterwards. <laughs> it's, there's, there's always going to be that. And, and the more comfortable you are in your skin with what you're serving and producing, knowing that it's the best that you can do, water off a duck's back. It doesn't affect me because unless you can give me constructive criticism, then I'm not interested. You can say it's shit. Absolutely. It's your right. Yeah, but that's such an uneducated. You got thing to, to be say. very specific on what worked, what didn't, Absolutely. in order to to Absolutely. have some sort of like valuable uh, feedback. Yeah, which uh, makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely, and too many people do say they get they get offended. I don't know whether it's the server or something is in their problem. It could be that they've just had an argument. I don't know, but to use the term, yeah, shit, it <laughs> doesn't say anything. Okay, well, what was shit? I don't know. Tell me, give me something. Because I can change anything. But tell me what it is. When people say I don't like it, that again, give me something. What don't you like about it? But when some people say, oh, it wasn't for me because that was too sour and it didn't work with that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Because, as again, we're asking our chefs to, with their palate to do... Something for other people. Yes. So... My palate's different to yours. You, and again, Absolutely. I can give you a recipe. You'll taste it, taste it, taste it. And you're going to go, oh, just a touch more. because, mm. it, And then your palate goes, oh, boom, that's bang on. And then, the but then maybe for you it's too much by then. <laughs> exactly. So it, it gets so, complicated. But it's just, a, it's just a nature's way. But that's what I mean by this job being so important. is Because we critiqued every single meal we send is judged. And then it's judged to the price. So if they have a great meal, well, it's still expensive. <laughs> wow okay well that one out i don't know it's it's how are you coping with the with the high prices now no one's coping with high prices um no one wants to go out if you're clever enough you'll cook at home um <laughs> coming there from a from a chef i'm just something. saying you're just honest for for me to take the family out even to tgi fridays is going to cost me 60 70 pounds for a main course and a drink for four people, two kids, two adults. So, you know, life and and obviously with the rising costs of everything else, I I I've got to be honest with you. I entertain at home. Well, yeah, you've got the skills. You, you even then, yeah. I, I think I'd be forced to do it. I mean, mm. Magda does it. She she's quite happy to cook for friends that come round. But it's becoming unaffordable. With, it's the only affordable thing because if I get four fillet steaks from Armano, now I'm going to say. They do the home thing so you can get four fillets. They're about £11 each. Don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> £11 each. I'm going to get an eight-ounce fillet. If I eat that in the restaurant, I'm going to I'm going to be spending 37 42 So do the math. Yeah. And this is what I say is that if you can cook at home and you have a probe or you... You, you can, know, you can just a bit what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Then do cook at home. Don't eat. Never go out and eat pasta, people. It's such a scam. It is such <laughs> a scam. I mean, especially because most of it. I mean, yeah. If you let's say go in one of those places, like you working, you were making the pasta yes. and all that. That's probably a dif- it'll be a different experience. Homemade pasta is homemade pasta. Yeah. Go to Italy for God's sake. Go to a nice restaurant in Italy, and I'm not talking Michelin star, but somewhere they got a nonna yeah. or a, I love a grandpa. That 
They're rolling their pasta every morning. They got all the bits. They're doing that. Doing it. The risottos. Everything is stunning, and it's processed on home cooking. Again, Jersey doesn't have heritage for home cooking anymore because the kids and the, and the lifestyles of people don't warrant it. Perfect kitchens, hardly used. Microwaves used <laughs> because they go out. They eat out. Yeah. You know, because they can. Because they their lifestyle facilitates it, and that's the difference. When it comes to restaurants, I mean, I know one, the big advice is if you number one, cook at home. But if the people want to go out, if you go out, what, what, do you have a favorite place here in Jersey? Is this something that is hard? Because I know consistency is kind of like sometimes yeah. up and down. But so if you were to choose, if let's say, I'll say, Steve, I'll take you to whichever place you prefer here on the island, what would that be? Or you, taking your family. Let's you're say. coming to my house, eh? <laughs> um, if I'm brutally honest, I've been off the, the dining scene because of the family. Um, where did I eat the other day? Botanica, which was very nice. Oh, the Spanish one. Spanish one, one which was I, very nice. Um, I, Tom was saying the same thing. He really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, I think really it comes good. down to what you pick. The menu's very varied, but we had a lovely meal there. The company was good. Um but favorite restaurant, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back a bit. I'm going to go back, back in time. Okay, so. What was your favorite like a few years back? A few years okay. back. So we had Mark Jordan, Steve Smith, and we had um, uh, Sean Rankin, but it was Lee Smith. So we had some really good chefs Yeah. that were all building the island in the right direction because it was a culinary scene. It was a culinary time. And I'd put the Royal Yacht in there as well. Um not because we were Michelin, but I'm just saying we were cooking really well at that time. And uh, Lee Lee and Sean used to do fabulous food. Steve Smith did fabulous food. But the Atlantic, Mark Jordan did fabulous food. They were so good. But the place I'd go to that was special would always be the Atlantic because that's where I took my wife on her for our first date when she didn't speak English. And that's that's because it's it's got the whole nostalgia to it. So yeah. we got incidentally we got married there. So oh, nice. It's it's when in the hold. end you go for the whole experience and yeah. what what kind of like gives you that emotion. Yeah. But Bohemia at the time was was stunning. Samphire at the time was stunning. Uh, Tassily and Richard Allen at the time, which which was stunning. Um, I can only gauge it by that. So those places. But if there was always one restaurant that me and the wife always used to go to, which we really enjoyed, which was um, more accessible, which was the Salty Dog. And that was that was going back again. I haven't been. I, I, I went there, like, a, must have been before Christmas, yeah, with some of the guys from work. And I think they they doing, they keeping well with the yeah. consistency. They're doing still a good job, in my opinion. I'm, I'm really fascinated. You know, people think, I'm probably in your situation as well. You're going yeah. out, just want a, a clean meal, you know, that it's it's okay cooked. You probably don't ask too many questions. I'm like, please, that's me. It's people think, oh, I used to work in the kitchen. You know, I'm really fascinated. I'm not. You know, just give me something that is not going to kill me. As you eat, everybody goes. <laughs> there are people. And then <laughs> even, even some of our friends, you know, we're going for dinner because obviously yeah. they come to ours and I like, cook and I love cooking. But then whenever we kind of think, oh, it's coming sometimes, you know, I'm not saying all of them because some, most of them are like, oh, used to it and I'm not like that. Yeah. But, you know, some of them are like, oh, you used to work in, you know, in the kitchen and all that. Oh, my God, what are we going to do now? I'm like, I'm the least, I'm the person that you have to be worried the least. 
about. I'm sure probably the others will complain about something, but not me. One of the funniest things I always find when you, when people know that you've cooked, and this is one of the best things in the world, is that if you're all in a steak place, someone will always go, is that cooked correctly? <laughs> and, I, and I'll look across and go, why isn't it? Can you tell me what, 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 what you're asking me? Is that medium rare? I said to the chef that served it, yes. We've but isn't all... that crazy that you kind of ask for something and you can't judge? So that's where probably some of the complaints are coming. Absolutely. Because you're ordering something that you have no idea how it should look exactly. like or taste like. Exactly. And then the skill out the kitchen. I always cook a degree under because I think people want medium rare. I go a little bit under. Because I think that's the best way to eat the medium rare. If they are medium, I go a little bit under. So it's the so it just takes it back a little bit. So you could never say that my steaks are correctly cooked. They're correctly rested. And they're they're what I'm happy to serve for the degree that you're you're after. And and but it is it's a very, very weird how people always want to know <laughs> is that cooked properly? Or the, is it well done? Well, yes, yes, yes. I can't see anything that I'd want to eat on the plate. So yeah, it is well done. <laughs> you number quite a few. So you number quite a few of the restaurants, you know, here in Jersey. You know that yeah. at the time when, I mean, you were head chef at Royal Yak, so Royal Yak were like Sirocco because they're two deep. People sometimes don't really understand it. They're like two, three different kind of places in Royal Yak, you know, where you eat. Um, but... Isn't that crazy, you know, that at the time we were like three, four Michelin star places and now we ended up only with one. Yeah. What's the reason? You'd have to speak to the owners, to be honest, because Michelin is, is an expensive club in a sense of crockery, staff, everything, across, everything the across the board. So are people dulling down their expectation? But also it's a massive pressure. So we were talking about it and I believe Tommy hit on, you know, people always wanting what they want. And that affects the guides. So they want you to be seasonal. They want you to be experimental. They want you to follow trend. So you're being driven by Michelin rosettes. Once you take that out of the equation, is the food any worse? I don't know. Um, I just don't know. I couldn't tell you either way. If you're cooking well, then cook well. Don't worry about the guys. And we yeah. all did it. I did it. I chased it. I wa <clears throat> you want because it's going to yeah. give you that. Oh, look at me. I'm I mean, you got three rosettes. Yeah. Uh, which is a great achievement. But yeah. if we'd have got a Michelin star, would it be a better achievement? All that does is give you more money and more toys in the kitchen. Tommy, I believe, I haven't eaten there, like I say, for the period of yeah. time since Lee left. I've had kids and I just have no time to do so. But Tommy cooks very well. Uh, Callum, don't know a lot about him, but he worked with Steve for a very long time. From Bohemia. Yeah. So I believe he cooks very well. I, I'm, all I'm saying is, is that if you put me in the environments where I can see how they're, what they're eating and I can eat their food, I guarantee there's going to be minimal difference apart from it's what they like to cook or it's how they perceive the restaurant to be. You know, Will Smith, uh, Will Smith, <laughs> from <laughs> the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Holland at the... Um, at the Atlantic as well. I mean, he served our wedding and it was, it was absolutely bob on, fantastic. So there's, you know, Andrew Baird does an absolutely amazing, I mean, he's he's almost like the Rue Brothers of, of Jersey, isn't he? He's an institution. So well done to you, Andrew. Keep going. Don't die. Um, so it's one of those things where, for me, 
if you like that restaurant and it ticks all your boxes, that's going to be your favorite restaurant, but that doesn't make them a bad restaurant. It doesn't make them a bad restaurant. It makes everybody has their own gene pool of people that follow your style and follow your mm. fla flavor profile. But then you build into it. You know, you walk into Longville and you get welcomed by name, even though they've never met you. Yeah, they know who you are. Once you've been, it's Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker. I mean, it's fabulous, and it makes you feel good when you go to the Atlantic. It's the same. It gives the the property makes you feel good. You go into Tassily, it's dark, it's dingy, but the food makes you feel good. You know, Joe and Nick do a good job. I don't know much about Nick, but Joe, I used to work with at Somerville a little while back and he worked with Steve Smith for years and he's just a fabulous chef and he's young and he's hungry and he wants to do it. So it's down to the, it's down to the owners and it's down to the property of, that people have to either invest in it. Is it because it's not sustainable? Would you say that we, we right don't now, have the, 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 the number of, of, Staff, you don't staff, have staff. The that can number do it. of staffs, I was going to say, but yeah. And you've got to pay. But other than that, we are probably ready to have those, to have like four places, let's say three, four places uh, without the shadow of the doubt. What do you say? You know, Tommy should, he's not far away. Um, it, I don't know what's holding that back. He'll know that. I won't know that. Yeah, but, I thought to him. Tass is, again, four rosettes for how long? Yeah, so, I always kind of debate that. Like, how can you be four rosettes and not be a star? Because to me, it's a bit weird that. Isn't that kind of, I mean, I know. It's probably, a contradiction. Yeah. It isn't four rosette kind of, I mean, I know it's not even equivalent, but that four rosette is a high, high standard. So shouldn't the Michelin be kind of like happy with that four rosette to give them, a, for example, a star? Isn't that Maybe the it's level? the agenda between the two guides. Yeah, true. Because you can have a two rosette restaurant with a Michelin star. So you tell me which is right, which is wrong. But chefs are the most fickle bunch of arseholes that you'll <laughs> ever meet in your life. So everyone will feel that they deserved it. I, I felt like I deserved it. You know, every single person that cooks well doesn't understand why they don't get. And and the, the probably the main faltering factor is, is it's because they want. And that changes something within their cooking you what you kind of like working just for the rosette, exactly. not for the Michelin, yes. instead of working for the customer. Yeah, and and also you're you're trying too hard because you're trying to double guess what they want, and what they want is what they want. And when you get appraised, if you're cooking without fear, that means your consistency is there. Mm -hmm. If you're cooking with fear, especially when they come, we've all done it. I'll I'll plate this one. <laughs> it's for the guy, guy. Yeah, no, yeah, the, nope. Everybody step back. Stop the fucking restaurant right now. <laughs> and you build your dish and you put it out and then they come back and say, yeah, it was nice. It's two rows actually. Like, <gasps> and you want to rip their head off. When you actually just let it flow, let it go. It, it, Are these guys killed enough in your opinion? You know, whoever. I mean, because I, 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 Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> Every single Michelin inspector and rosette inspector should be a chef. I can teach you how to look. Anyone could show you a layup of a table. That's never going to change. It'll be the same every day. You just need to look for cleanliness and whatever you need to look for. But so there's something you can learn basically just by reading Absolutely. or watching or a few videos. Watch, just just go on YouTube and have a look at their restaurant. You'll see the, the setup and that is it. Every single chef will understand the blood, the sweat, the tears that goes into every dish when you can see the love and you can see the technique and you can see the flavor profile. 
That's the difference. They feel the love behind it. It's not just about the chef at the top. It's about everybody underneath it that is elevating that chef to the to the stardom. And that's that. I, I, I truly believe that. I think there's too many. God, this is gonna. People are gonna hate me for this, <laughs> but there's too many people that are philistines with food, but have the track record of running hotels, restaurants that aren't foodies. They're, you got to understand their business from people. the bottom, yeah. Absolutely. When it comes to uh, the guides, you know, whether it's Michelin or Rosette, uh, would you say that they're not what they used to be, or they kind of kept on this? They not they not change over the years, or they change over the years? What What's your your thought? Because although probably at the beginning you were not head chef right at the beginning when you were younger, no, but course. you work you work in in. Rosette places. You were probably in making a star or so on. So you had that experience. What was your experience before you left, or even now? Because the place you worked yeah. at, I think, it's got it's got one or two rosettes. It, it used to, but they don't. They, they don't, don't anymore. They, okay. They, they gave it back. They did. It's not that they not cooking at that level. Is that they, the sustainability? Part, yeah, they didn't want to be part of the guy. Oh, they right. want, they wanted that. to be to cook without freedom. Uh, cook with freedom. freedom. Nice. So yes, they've changed. They've changed massively. So. Marco Pierre, white, white heat, look at the book. The Gavroche in the old days, look at the book. Look at what Michelin star food was. Then you look at what the, the trends have done over the years from nouveau cuisine to whatever you want to call it, to infusion, um, to uh, now. now And the world's such a small place. And I was saying to you, we, we touched on earlier, seasons, they don't exist. So if you're cooking great food, don't be governed by the seasons. Go for it. If a guide doesn't give it to you, is your restaurant full? That's what you're aiming for. That's what you want. And if your restaurant is full and you can walk out in your local area and people go, are you Steve Walker? <laughs> the chef from, that's stardom. Yeah. Not, are you a Michelin star holder? That's personal. I was with my mum and dad at the airport. When we came back from Jersey one day, we landed in Southampton and this person walking through stopped and went, are you Steve Walker? And I went, you know, when you're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to, I don't know this person. <laughs> Did I do something to, I don't know. Yes. Your food's absolutely amazing. And my mum and dad stood right there. That's the most rewarding thing. And, and I was just like, got that right. <laughs> but I was so blown away. And my, and my dad was just like, he has no concept of cooking. He's an absolute philistine. He just eats to live. Doesn't care what he gets. He just doesn't like coriander. Yeah. But he doesn't give a monkey's what he eats. And he actually stopped and he went, that puts it into context. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I never knew you'd touch people with food. He said, "It's because my dad's a photographer. And he yeah. went... I'm, I, I know because people say you're Mike Walker the, photo, the photographer because of the skill in the photos and everything else he said now I understand that you you create things that people really genuinely appreciate and he had no understanding of it and it was such a such a proud magical moment for me because you could have probably explained in 10 different ways he wouldn't understand it the same way as he's done it at that, yeah. at that time because just put the food in front of me and he's one of the old school he's like that how much? He, he picks his food by price. So generally, he just eats olives. <laughs> <laughs> Cheapest thing on the menu. <laughs> what, what makes a good chef, in your opinion? 
I mean, if we can even uh, form good chef these days. In my opinion, I'm, I'm not going to flannel about with this one. In my opinion, you have to have nothing else in your life. So there's no potential for you to be a lawyer. There's no potential. You've got to be pretty low down the ranks because you need to focus into this job. So if you've got options, you're never going to pick this job. Is it because you're going to get disrupted and move? But also, if you've... It's about shame in a way. If you've got degrees, why would you choose this trade? Even Rick Stein came to the trade after being an accountant in London. So... You know, he made his money to buy a restaurant down in Padstow, which was beautiful, and he taught himself to a degree. He, he, he changed his journey. So to me, you have to be focused. The best chefs in the world are the ones with no other options. Marco Pierre White, Kitchen Porter, dad told him to get a job or he had to work for his family business or his dad. No other option. Go and find a job. Walks into a kitchen. I need a job. My dad told me I need to get a job. I have a job. Next thing you know, he's off. Freestyle Michelin Chef. Everybody's got their own story. But for me, the reality of it is, is that if I had other options, I wouldn't be here. I had the Army, the Navy, not the RAF, because you needed intelligence for that to fly planes, <laughs> or cooking. Honestly, yeah. it, 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 it channeled me into this. Yeah. So, like I say, if, if you said yourself, you kitchen porter get in there and then watch and you see the kitchen working you think there's enough discipline without being too disciplined the waitresses love the chefs the housekeepers love the chefs everybody hates and loves the chefs managers can't abide the chefs oh that's potential that's potential i kind of agree and in a way disagree just because i have a different a different path but you know yeah i mean i'm not i wasn't a great chef because i kind of asked the question what makes a great chef uh, it's just because i always wanted to be a chef but do you think that this is like a, a dying wish for most of the young generation everybody wants to get rich now everybody wants to be a tiktok everyone wants to be youtube everybody wants to do as little as possible everyone the first question they ask now is how much am i going to get for this I don't work weekends and I don't work evenings. So this is the wrong So you're already thing. out. So you're already out the door. So that's what I'm saying is you yeah. need people with no option because there's so many options out I there. I get it, yeah. So they need to have nothing else to distract them where it almost says, be a chef, be a waitress or I mean, look, manager. in my situation, I started, you know, I always wanted to be a chef, but at some point I still shifted to something else yeah yeah but so life changes that and and again no one can look into the crystal ball there's so many great chefs that did what you did i said that 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 doesn't stop them being great chefs yeah i said to tom or peter you know there's so many chefs on the island but they just do something else they literally a ton of chefs here but they just probably it's one of it. One of his, one of them is accountant. The other one is cashier. The other one that would do doing online courses when they can, so that they can yeah. get out. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's but, unfortunate. But it's a lifestyle thing. It's yeah. not the passion of the of the food. True. It's, it's that their life changes, where they get tired, where they get tired of being abused. What do I get out of it when I get to fifty? Do I have a pension? No. Do I have my health? Invariably not. Do I have prospects of being able to do my job up until 67? No. 
scary when you think it about is scary. it. Add it all up. You've got to want to do it. And when I say want to do it, that doesn't mean drink your way through it. We all know we've, we, we were there yeah, with we ex- Cold Invisible and, you know. Yeah, um, we experienced yeah, We've experienced it and seen it. And every single chef has, has had an alcoholic in their kitchen or a, a functioning alcoholic. Whether Drug addicts, yeah, absolutely, all that. Whatever you want to call it. Shame, yeah. And they've lost before they've even started. But their ability, some of them, the ability is just... I mean, me and Peter shared um, a guy called... Well, I say shared, but... You work at the same time. Peter worked with him longer than I did, but Gareth, I'm not, no one knows his second name. Peter will know. I mean, what a, what a talented chef. But he just had too many idiocies that would pull him down. You know, he worked... With, Royal Yacht, he worked at Longville Manor, he worked at, I mean, Andrew will know him, and, and his ability, and what a guy. I mean, when he was on on a good day, he was just <laughs> a, a pleasure. But he just had a switch where he would just be self-destruct and in in and outside of work. But I can tell you I've met, and I've met 30, 40 people like that in my career where you just get so frustrated because of their ability. They're the messies that never became messy. They have the talent, but they just don't go in the right direction. Absolutely, it's Absolutely. a shame. Yeah, they they become whatever they become, and they just can't dig themselves out of it. Yeah, it's kind of a. I mean, we luckily uh, found our way more in way or another. Like you got beautiful wife, children, I've got a wife, and even if I was in the industry, she, we were not we were not married at the time. But she understood like how how it was. We, not everybody's that lucky, you see, and then they fall into the wrong directions, which is is a shame. And then, although you had a lot of potential, you're just going in the wrong wrong places. Well, yeah, you blame the trade. Yeah, but, but yeah, there's the there's the and, yeah. and it is invariably there's parts of the trade that are to blame, but it's generally the person. If someone loves something, the way you love your wife is the same way I love cooking. The way I love my wife, totally. Do I love her more than cooking? Absolutely. But does my head tell me that every now and again? <laughs> I, I, I choose the cooking. And it's a bad thing because it, it's in you and it does the wrong thing to you. And so she's had to put up with a lot. Every wife will tell you they've had to put up with far too much. But we're also the best husbands in the world. We're never there. So whenever we are there, it's quality time. But you know where we are. <laughs> and we cook well well and, and we cook well yeah, yeah. You do a dinner so party, that, no that helps yeah that yeah. helps from that point of view yeah no problem do you have a favorite chef do you have like a people that at some point you, it's, you aspire to be like no i mean probably not now but no no i've never aspired to be anybody i think everybody's individual I, i've aspired to see kitchens in operation and food is is our it's it's amazing it's great but um my all-time favorite chef, Phil Howard. I think I know which one you're talking From about. From the square, yeah. when, he, when he had the square. I dined there. He was absolutely fantastic when he came out. He talked. He was, he was, he was very um, normal. You know, everything he said was just normal. Everything, his interest was fantastic. He, he, there was no airs or graces. Two-star Michelin, been doing it for years, worked with Marco. I mean, been around all the celebrity bits in the UK. Fabulous, fabulous in that aspect. And when he came to our table, it was just, it was just, it was just magical because 
it wasn't like he was rocking up to the table. He he came to the table and he went, "Hey, how are you?" Um, Humble. Your wife kind of. um, said that you were coming for dinner and you're a chef, and I, I I know where you work. I checked it out because she told me, and and it all just went from there. He gave me a signed book that she didn't pay for, which I thought I said to her, "You paid for that for my birthday." She went, "No, no, no." He so I still, I have it and I have the insignia, and, and to me that's celebrity of how it should be because he was accessible and he was in his restaurant. Wasn't his name above the door, Phil Howard at the square, and he's not in his restaurant. He was in his restaurant. And that um, is everything for me, is that if you've got the audacity to put your name on your door, be in your restaurant. Don't have you ever... Do you see, well, have you ever had this in mind to open your own place? Absolutely not. No? no? Never had it, like even when you were younger? No, the wife would tell you differently. I, I, I will do it if the right place came up. Would you still do it from like now? Like I'd still do it now, yeah. but do I want to do it? Do I envisage doing it? No, there's too many problems. There's too many overheads. There's too much. It, it all stops with you ultimately. I mean, when you go sick, who runs the restaurant? Yeah, I said to, I was talking, I think, with Tom about this. And, you know, there's so many things that just don't depend only about how passionate and how much what you want to do because the restaurant needs kitchen porters, needs, oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> needs front of house, needs yeah. all that. You know, you might be very keen on, let's do it, but what if you don't have the right people? When you've got millionaires behind you and you have a property that is paid for and maintained by someone else and all the wages are paid by someone else, you have freedom. When it stops with you in this current climate, when you have to pay all of that, you either reduce your expectation because you've got to increase your outgoing by having more staff than you need. And then, no, no. No, definitely not. And the reason I say that is if you'd have said that to me 10 years ago, it would have been a different answer. But when you're pushing 50, it's it's not really. Yeah. If you'd have said it at 30, I would have snapped your hand off because there's enough time and enough energy to put it together to and... put it together and to, to, to break through the hard time to make it successful. And I'd be young enough to accept the hard time. Whereas now I've got my mortgage, I've got my kids, I've got... Life is more complicated. I've got now. to be really careful what I gamble on. Risks are not. And it, yeah, and it is a gamble. I mean, it's literally 32 red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite uh, favorite cuisine? Like, what, what do you do you like to cook the most? And what what what's influencing your menus, basically? I, I, don't, I don't have a favorite. I've never have. Because that's why I'm asking, because I know you're kind yeah. of like flexible. Whatever you think it works, it doesn't need to be a certain cuisine. It just feels right and you add it. An, easy, an easier question is to ask me what cuisine I don't like. Well, I was going to get to that. Why you yeah. like cooking and why you don't like cooking yeah. and all that. But yeah, what uh, was that? Then? Uh, so so cuisine, cuisine I don't like. And, I, and, and the reason that I don't like it is because it's just too barbaric. <laughs> it is is um is is what they call um sushi really and then things like that japanese kind of because i just don't agree with how they do it um the japanese the way they eat how they they eat everything and anything and i think it dilutes and it overfishes and it does all the wrong things so I generally try and stay away from Japanese. Japanese specifically or kind of Asian? Uh, no, because I love Thai food. I love <laughs> um, Chinese food. 
and I love, um, but the Japanese seem to be at the forefront of like shark fin and cutting off and throwing them back in the water mm. and alive. Oh, wow. there's, there's a lot of ethics behind certain things. Then you're going to say, well, what about foie gras? Uh, it no, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't agree with the way they make foie gras, but at the end of the day, as a chef, you expose yourself to certain things. You know, it's all about sustainable and eth ethical now. So I love all cuisines. I love South American. I love American. I love you're flexible all of it yeah i mean i and, and it, every single thing influenced so you've got a fillet of beef with a lobster ravioli is it is it italian or is it i don't know yeah because it, it's got a ravioli on it i don't know it, it's a fillet of beef with a ravioli i mean but the, the crossover you know when you do uh the focaccia as one of your breads you've still got a different bread that's gonna so label it it's it's about taking as a chef what you love and if you have the opportunity to be the head chef, then you have the opportunity to put everything on that you love. Utopia. <laughs> what restaurants do we need? What other restaurants do we need in Jersey, in your opinion? None do right we now. Absolutely we none. No, we're diluted because of we've got lack of beds. We need everybody that is here to, to survive. So, like I say, Botanica is probably the last influence one that we would probably need. You've obviously got the new one down in St. Bernard's. Another one opening in another place round on Bath Street. So we've got enough. We've got enough. We just need to make sure we maintain these properly and we, we need do to a good job with what we've got. Absolutely. Absolutely. It needs supporting because we don't have accommodation. So if we don't have accommodation, then how are you going to get the staff? It's not happening. So yeah. you don't need failure. You need to look after. We need to we need to say, right, that's enough. No more, no more. And then build from that platform. Do you have favorite uh, local ingredients that if let's say, I mean, I kind of know if I was to see a menu, I would kind of know that it was made by you. Just because, you know, obviously, as you said, so, you yeah. kind of form a style. Identity. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have your own way of kind of creating menus. For sure. Do you have something that specifically was like, I'd like these one, two, three ingredients, local ingredients that I would go to them no matter what? You know, everybody knows about Jersey's local produce. I mean, it, it, it's there to be seen, but I don't pick, I pick for the guests. So in a way, the the, the clients are picking it because they demand local, but they don't want old local. They want new local, which is you have wild bass, turbots, whatever's coming in off the boat to the mackerel. Um so I couldn't tell you there was three things. I mean, Jersey Royals, one year they're good, but next year they're not so good, you know? So it's about consistency. If you can offer me something consistent on Jersey right now, you know, Dave Dave down at the Bass and Lobster would probably tell you a bit more about that because he, in the last four years, that's where he started using a lot of local produce. And, and for, I me, noticed that, yeah. for me, it's always been about produce rather than local. It's about buying the best of what you can buy always buy local when I can, but it's not always the best. So Tom was saying exactly the same thing. He's got big issues with consistency and yeah. obviously there's we get like into complaints and all that. You don't want that headache. Absolutely. And people are going to get a great experience to your restaurant. You don't want to disappoint them. So when you are to choose between local and especially when they came before and had that dish. Yeah. And then they say it wasn't as good as last time. But it's been made exactly the same way. So it's it comes down to the supply chain. So they have to be, you know, 
Jer- Jersey, uh, they always bang on about local, buy local, buy local. So, okay, so the local people should invest in Jersey, no? They should charge us the right price and then export what you need to make us get the right price. Yeah, Peter was saying about the Jersey Royals being cheaper in, in the UK than here, which is a bit crazy. To me. Jersey milk, cheaper in the UK? Is actually the same thing? Wow. Yeah. So, so there's so many little things, and, and and yet they're all the ones going. And when lockdown, you saw everybody going buy local, buy local, buy local because they needed you. And he was like, "Oh wow!" And then as soon as it all got lifted, whew, the price went through the roof. Lobsters, crabs, twenty-seven pound a pound a crab. It was twenty-two wow. quid before lockdown. <laughs> Where'd they get five quid from? And offshore uh, uh, fuel, which if they're saying it's about the boats, offshore fuel is still not, it doesn't get hit by duty. So I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go, he doesn't know what you're talking about. He's not sure. Well, yeah, really? Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I don't really know. I kind of lost uh, contact with direct suppliers and the food chain and all that, the supply chain, but you're definitely dealing with it on a daily basis. So you know what you're talking yeah, about just yeah. from that point of view. It's stocks and shares. How can your fish from one week to the next be going up and down when it's the same fish caught in the same waters? Do you see the Do they price do that on supply and demand maybe? It's just, if let's say more people want it, they just increase the price. I have no idea. But if it's caught by a Jersey fisherman, then Jersey should have... It. Front, the French, again, I go back to the French, they don't screw their own. They screw everyone else. They look so, after themselves. Yes. Okay. So that's maybe something for the for the state to to there's solve. Lots of, there's lots of reasons that the <laughs> states need to do it, but are the states capable of doing it? Who knows? Yeah, that's a different. I believe in them. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm going to contradict myself, but I believe that if they really take it seriously enough, they can come up with the solutions. But they. At the moment, it's just on the back burner because it, is it deemed as important yeah. as other issues? I don't know. What's your comfort food, Steve? Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, um, Frank's hot sauce. So Frank's hot sauce is in TGI Fridays, primarily where I discovered it. So it's a sriracha kind of oh, thing. Oh, okay. I do like but, a good sriracha. But this Frank's hot sauce for me is good. You've got everything. So... If I have any food, it goes on it. So long as it's not got a gravy or so. If <laughs> yeah, I'm, would it make sense? Like, yes. If, if I'm going to put it on dessert. On I mean, a pizza? Perfect. Pasta with tomato sauce. Add a bit of spice. Beautiful. It, it took away the green Tabasco that I was using before. But my favorite comfort food, which I cannot ignore that I crave for, is crispy duck from the Chinese. Yeah, the, the pancakes. Yeah, I know that you like Chinese oh, food. Yeah, you're lovely. Yeah. Delicious. And maybe a Kung Po King Prawn. But Are there good places that do that here in Jersey? And there's one down in Gori and um, the new dynasty we used to use um, when they were down in St. Oban's. So we've just taken them on again. But the best one so far is the Hong Kong Kitchen, I think, in Gori. Okay, and we'll it, give that a and, and they do island-wide and it is sensational. I mean, the best crispy duck. It just tastes clean. Like you say, it's about the, it's clean doesn't taste like the fires yeah been done to death <laughs> really good if i if let's say i'm going to your to your kitchen now what's something that no matter when i go you'll have in your cupboard or your, or your fridge something that let's say 
you want to do some some cooking you want something you th- that's where you kind of start from what, what's something that you've got there all the time like your favorite ingredients it doesn't need to be local obviously my my favorite ingredient if you look at what's in my cupboard at home it's always going to be um sriracha uh, that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. so that's my favorite thing and it's always going to be there because i hate being without it if you go into a professional kitchen the one that my favorite ingredient is vanilla but the one go-to that every single thing that no matter what happens should be my go-to is salt you can't do anything with that i can't do anything with that and nature only does so much but salt it, it's amazing it just transforms things sweet or savory it you know it's just incredible for people that we kind of talk about it and along the way you kind of uh, said a number of things about this but for someone that wants to start in the industry now do you have an advice if let's say someone you know not that they don't have option whether they have options just like you know what i want to be a chef i think this is what what i want to do for the rest of my life do you have an advice for someone starting new in their career Maybe something like, do they need, I want to get into other conversation from here. Do they need a college? They don't need a college. Would you suggest them start straight in the kitchen, forget about the college? What would be the course that you see, you know, someone new doing and what would be your advice from this point of view? There's, there's two ways for this. And I'm going to answer the question with one simple answer. Both questions is, does anyone phone for references anymore? No, they don't. Because they don't have the luxury of being able to have enough staff to worry about what they're inviting through the door. So, so they take you without questioning. Yeah, absolutely. All I'll say is, is if you want to be a chef, then be a chef. Knock on the door of wherever floats your boat, at whatever level you, you, you want to get entry into. If that's your passion, knock on the door. I'm sure you would take people like this that are willing to i mean you've done it with me 100 percent. so 100%. if people want you know they but i won't phone for a reference i'll yeah. i'll speak to you i'll look at you well because you have that experience you kind of know not even just that, by but, meeting but, but you've got to a personality's got to fit not just in my requirement but in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen requirement your personality is going to have to fit like a jigsaw puzzle because people that don't fit they don't last and they create quite a lot of problems and that's the difference is that if you knock on someone's door as it should be, you don't need college, you don't need any basic training, and you say, can I please, I really want to do this, you've got my attention. And every chef in the world should give you their attention. If they don't, more for them. And that, that covers every both of those aspects. Yeah, that, that definitely does, yeah. So if someone wants to start, all they need is the... The willingness, basically, to, yeah. to start. Yeah, and the, then... ball, the balls to do what they want to do and knock on a door. You don't, even if it's the college door, but why should you have to apply for a college? Why should you have to fill out? Some people are dyslexic. Some people don't have electronics where you have to now <laughs> apply. You have to apply for jobs online. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, the only thing I was, uh, I was talking to Tom again and with Pete about the college and the only part, but not the only one, it all depends on which level you are, I guess, when you, when you go to the college. Because for some people, it's like, really? Is that what you're teaching me? And we were making fun about the microwave cooking and that. But apart from that, it was the, is it HACCP? HACCP, the HACCP, basic, yeah. HACCP yeah. yeah. So that was the part that I thought, you know what? This was a good thing that I've done it. But 
it wasn't the first thing I've done, you know, college. I was like working in a kitchen at the college in, in parallel. So, But you can do that online. Yeah, bro. Yeah, sure you can. Yeah. So every every property now, uh, like a hotel or yeah. that has it apart, apart from little restaurants, will have online training. Yeah. So you'll get your food handlers hygiene certificate as you go along. You just have to refresh every six months. So your opinion would be starting, go straight in the kitchen. Go straight in. Yeah. Because you're going to find out everything you need to know. College is, is a lie. It, it's it's not reality. It, it's too easy. There's people there that um, I'm going <laughs> to ruffle okay. feathers. But what I'm going to say is, is that lecturers that are under 50 have failed in being a chef. <laughs> okay, you said it. People are going to hate me for this, but I truly believe yeah. that. And the reason I say that is because your experience is what you're passing on. And until you've run kitchens for a very long time at different levels, then how can you pass on anything apart from what's in a book? So would you say that they are not you're not ready if you if you're not if you don't have that experience, obviously? Absolutely. I, okay. I, it, it's just my opinion because yeah. all my lectures, and this is where it bases from, it's not my own opinion, yeah. but when I went to college, every single lecturer that was in that kitchen was over 46. And we had the best culinary school at the time in Highbury. And we had 17 lecturers and not one of them was under 46 back then in 88. So, and they had experiences, they had japes, they had things to tell you. They had, you know, when I worked, not just one place, two places, and then I, it was it was a way out, you know, and, and I'm not downing it. Yeah. Because you get the lifestyle, you get the money and you get the life. You get all the holidays, you get everything else. It's a great gig. But that's where I feel the damage is done to the younger chefs. Have you ever considered, you know, going for for such a job? Now I'm of the age, it's on the radar, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, now, nice. Now, now I'm pushing like 50, but there's no, there's no room here, but it will be something. Honestly, I think you would be great. Without just, you know, saying the words, I, I strongly believe that, you know, whoever will study with you you know will really get proper value from even if from they this. don't stick at being a chef they'll get something from it for their life because like i say traveling being in it understand life it. experience basically. absolutely um you know caring about it you know peter cares and tommy cares and you know everyone else cares and we've all got different personalities and we've all got different levels of cooking and we've all got uh, different expectations of ourselves but the reality of it being for me is that you know there isn't enough coming out of the colleges. There isn't enough going into the colleges. So something is predominantly wrong. Mm. So there has, again, government funded, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So maybe not here in Jersey, but who knows, one day yeah. kind of, you, you aim Absolutely. for this profession. Absolutely. Yeah, that, I think that, that will suit you very well. I yeah. honestly believe that. Okay, now, we're kind of moving moving from from the, the, from the serious questions from something else. You remember any funny stories from the kitchen? Because I, I remember quite a lot with you, but I just I'm really bad at remembering like the whole story. Um, I have such a short memory, but you must have had like a ton of funny stories, you know, from your experience. If you remember any, if not, no pressure. I, I've got, I, I can give you one that's relevant. Okay, so it was in the Royal York Kitchen down in Zephyr. Okay, and um, Alistair, who yeah. was uh, what, this was when I worked in Zephyr, so I wasn't in Sirocco at the mm -hmm. time. And um, there was a walk-in. There, there is a walk-in fridge at the back of the kitchen, and we used to make buckets of tomato sauce because of the dishes that were required it. So you, 
big bucket. Off yeah. you go. And during a service, he disappeared into the fridge. And I was like, why? What's going on? He's been in there a hell of a long time. A long time. And you start to worry. You think, oh, God. Hope he's okay. But because service, you don't use the walk-in fridge. You're using your service fridges. But it just resonated with me. So I thought, all right, okay. So I went and just grabbed the thing. And I was expecting, he's a, he's a big man. He's 120 kilos plus, six foot three. I was expecting him to fall out of the passed out or something because he'd just been in there so long but I opened up the fridge door and what had happened is the handle on the bucket had broken and it drops flat and as it drops flat it creates a basically an explosion of tomato sauce like an like a nuclear bomb and six foot three his head didn't touch the ceiling buckets on the floor the whole of that fridge was obliterated and he was just covered in tomato sauce and I looked at him and went what has happened and he went fuck off <laughs> he was so devastated and I, that he and couldn't I, get out of the fridge that he couldn't get out of the fridge and I went well you better clean that up <laughs> and I went out and I just couldn't stop laughing I couldn't stop laughing because he was he was so angry it was brilliant it was just fabulous oh nice one you kind of gave us a little nugget of like what what kind of what you want to do basically in the coming uh, future but are there any plans what can we expect from uh from steve walker in the, in the coming future? just good food just good food and happiness and, and i mean that in all sense of the word because that's what it's all about and and whatever i do will be to the best of what i can do within the realms of the of what we allowed to do but yeah it, it's onwards and upwards and then you know who knows you might see me at the college well that would be good you know, honestly stage. i would be so happy to see you there because i know you would do the right things yeah absolutely i honestly think that but again it's got to be the practical side of it we've got to stop using papers and computers and just remember that we're chefs there's no businesses us being like banks and that's <laughs> why we're different isn't it every day is a different day like i say for people that want to experience your cooking and maybe i don't know contact you on social media where, where can they find you facebook obviously and um what's the other one that they do instagram instagram all right okay good there you go well for people that want to yeah well at, menus at, and everything at, at the somerville hotel so give it a month i've just started there so give it a month and in march we'll be we'll be hitting on with some new menus which will be seasonal as as we can but as i said to you i use a lot of ingredients that are just great so no matter whether it's no matter, or not, yeah no matter what's going on and menu. we're going to try and keep the prices right and cook well and 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 add to the island's culinary uh, journey really and, and that's the most important thing and you know just anyone wants to come in and say hey and and you know and anybody wants to come and work in the kitchen for a day please do you know no problem at all we'll look after you nice one steve yeah i really appreciated this uh, conversation never really had the time to talk for that long yeah no, for some no. reason yeah we meet every now and then you know for a few minutes but it's never really that long and i I really enjoyed it, honestly. Yeah, me too, Dan. It was great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, sir. And I'm sure we'll do more of this at some point. Maybe when you launch your menu. I'm available. You, yeah. yeah, we'll That'd keep be good. And I really appreciate, honestly, I really do uh, that you took time from your family and from your work to come here. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you. Thank you.